The cloud is secure as long as you fulfill your responsibility in the shared responsibility model of cloud security. And it's more secure than on-premise. Those providers, especially the big boys, they are ready to secure your data, but you need to be ready to do your part. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome back to Mythbusters, Cloud, Security, and Innovation. This month, we are focused on the intersection of cloud and security. A prevailing myth is that the cloud is not secure. We are here today with InterVision expert Stan Smith to bust that myth. It's true that security is one of the biggest concerns businesses have about technology in general. In fact, security is always top of mind for the what keeps you up at night list for CIOs and CISOs alike. Security is a top concern for many businesses when it comes to cloud computing, but this is often based on a misunderstanding of how cloud security works. Stan is a vCISO, a virtual chief information security officer and cybersecurity consultant for InterVision. He has not only helped many of our clients bust that myth, but he has helped marquee organizations like NASA and Northrop Grumman as well. Stan, welcome to Status Go. Hey, hi, Jeff. It's really nice to be here. I am really looking forward to our conversation today, Stan. I know when we chatted a, a couple of weeks ago, we, w- we were really diving deep into cybersecurity and some of the common misconceptions. Before we get into that, was wondering if you would share a bit about your career journey and what brought you to where you are today. Uh, sure, Jeff. So, um, Believe it or not, I had a couple decades of military service. Um, During that military service, I was essentially, so IT support type work um, um, focused on satellite communications. Um, But with that, um, all of those services that we used to provide long, long time ago, not to date myself, um, (laughs) used to be very disparate, very separate, but they all began to converge. And then, of course, security um, became a concern for everyone. So began to focus on security in the later parts of my, my career. And then as I, as I transitioned from military after retirement, um, full on security, right? I, I taught security at NASA. I did things like integrate and create security postures for uh, hyperspectral aircraft. I've done that for other large systems in DOD. I've trained and taught um, all sorts of security courses and classes for those same type of organizations. And, you know, now here I am, InterVision, you know, helping guide, lead um, organizations through risk assessments, security postures, let them know where they are, where they need to get, you know. So we've done, we're doing pretty good work, and I, I absolutely love it. I'm glad to hear that. I'm, I'm glad you are. Uh, I'm glad you're on our side in all of this, man. <laughs> I, 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 I do appreciate that. Uh, as you know, we're here to talk about the myth that some people still hold uh, close, uh, that the cloud is not secure. I, I'd like to start with the roots of that myth. 
where where did this come from? Uh, why do you think there are still folks out there that think the cloud is not secure? I I believe that people believe the cloud is not secure because they have not. And I, the, the they is, you know, proverbial. It's not everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, the people who believe that don't quite understand the shared security bottom. Right? Uh, they don't understand how we share that responsibility. And if they feel they don't have control of or can't ask how a provider is securing their data or securing their access, they don't think it's secure. So that's uh, one myth. And then let's let's be clear at the initiation of cloud resources and people moving their things into the cloud, the the postures and the security practices were not what they are now. Right. Yeah, yeah. That has changed dramatically. And that's that's why some people say the cloud is not secure. Well, and, and I, I, I believe it's also true that, you know, when we hear about uh, breaches in the cloud, most of the time it's, it's either um, the, the client of the cloud uh, lost or, or had their credentials compromised, or they had some setting uh, that was exposing things uh, publicly that, that shouldn't have been, or is that... Am, am I perceiving that properly? So you you are absolutely correct, right? Um, so what what you what you've probably found and what you, what you're referencing is once again we're going right back to the the shared responsibility model. Um, the part that is owned by an organization versus the part that is is secured by the cloud provider, right? That depends on the service that you have, and when you see a cloud breach in all likelihood it's a misconfiguration from the client side right and there there can be all sorts of misconfigurations you can do identity access misconfiguration you can have insecure api keys depending mm-hmm. on what type of service you're using there's all sorts of things that can go wrong and it, it's typically the client side because the cloud service providers especially aws and azure they have made some heavy, heavy investments into security, um, like heavy investments into security. And it's, it's very well done. And I, I, I trust it. It's, it's yeah. done well. And as long as you do your part, it's, it's secure. That, that was part of what won me over as a years ago as a CIO is I'll date myself and say it was the early days of cloud. Uh, was this whole concept of comparing my cybersecurity budget to their cybersecurity budget? <laughs> um, and when you started talking in, uh, you know, dollar budget amounts in the B's of billions, uh, uh, it was like, uh, no, no question. Well, let's dive into this shared security model. For those that might not be uh, familiar with it, what is, what is the shared security model and where does that mean my responsibility begins and ends. So your shared security model really, really circles around the, the level of service, the service that you have purchased from your provider. So and let's compare them with on-premises first. Okay. If you have your servers on-premise, what are you responsible for? You're responsible for all of it, right? Yeah. Everything yeah. from the network controls to making sure the infrastructure is up to date, the physical security, yeah. um, identity and access management, 
endpoint protection, all of that is yours because you own it all. Now, when we move into the cloud, right? And I and in this example, what I'll do, I'll start at the not as much of the client's responsibility stuff. So okay. SaaS, right? Software as a service. For software as a service, the physical security is most certainly not yours, right? Because right. where does that hardware live? In somebody else's data center. They have their own guards. They have their own stuff. The infrastructure that that device lives in, guess what? That is for the provider. Why? Because they have it. And, you know, that's fr right from the hardware itself, the power to that hardware, the hypervisor, everything, all of it. The underlying operating system, everything belongs to the provider. Now, when we start talking about, when we say SaaS, that means now you have to concern yourself with the identity and access management is probably belongs to the client, not the provider. So that's one of the core differences for something like a SaaS. And data classification and accountability, that's always going to be the client. Yeah, because yeah. you know your data, you choose what's important to you inside of your own you know, relating to your own data. Um, then moving up to platform as a service, it changes ever so slightly, right? Everything from physical security, now that's still, still on the provider side, infrastructure, network, monitoring your network. Now, when we start looking at what applications are doing, right? And what applications are allowed to do and the controls implemented upon them. So now we're really sharing that because depending upon what that app has to do, that's a shared piece. Mm -hmm. But then when we start talking about endpoint protection, that is definitely on the client. Um, and then I guess the other one is, is mostly uh, infrastructure as a service itself, yeah. right? Where you, you have everything except the hypervisor is really on the client, right? Mm -hmm. So the provider got your physical security, probably got you up to the hypervisor. After that, as far as software is concerned, then it's on the client to maintain that security posture patch everything, make sure everything is up to date. So, and that's what we mean by the shared security model. And mm -hmm. there are also mixes in there that as you select the provider, you ensure that they are absolutely 100%. Everybody knows who's responsible for what and where mm -hmm. that demarcation line is. So, and that's, that is essentially what the shared responsibility model is. Now, as a as a VCISO and and uh, a CISO for uh, previous organizations, do you even with the shared responsibility model, uh, security across the the spectrum, that that's still on you, right? It, you have to do your due diligence and check to make sure that uh, you understand where the line is, and you have to check to be sure. Uh, kind of that trust, but verify, make sure that the cloud providers are doing what they say they're doing. Right. That is exactly it. And I was, I was going to use that exact same line because I, lo <laughs> I love that. Line. So yeah. Um, you can, you can audit your security. You can audit your cloud provider, right? It's, it is still upon you and your efforts um, mm -hmm. to ensure that what they are doing, what they claim to be doing is what they are doing. It is still your data. It is still your organization's lifeblood. So guess what? It is still your responsibility to ensure that what they are doing is in line with what you needed to do. The best part about that in general is some of the more stringent requirements, either regulatory or 
uh, voluntary um, compliance requirements. The cloud guys do a great job of handling a lot of that for you. So it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful way to be in the cloud. And that's another piece of why cloud is so, is so good for so many people because it makes auditing a lot easier. It makes, when I say compliance, things like PCI for sure, easier HIPAA, easier, right. Um, CMMC easier, um, all of that stuff is significantly easier because like Azure, AWS, they have built in, built into it. The yeah, way they right. do business, the architecture makes it compliant with some of these, some of these requirements and frameworks. Well, and it's in their best interest to make sure that they're following those protocols and those security procedures, because that's their whole, their whole business model, right? Is and that, I'm going to put my crown jewels in in their data center, so they're going to make sure that they they uh, dot the i's, cross the t's, and do all all of those things. When you you, you mentioned uh, compliance, and I know we're going to talk about uh, this a little bit further uh, here in a few minutes, um, it it does help with some of those compliance certifications that you have to go through, but you also mentioned. Uh, auditing. How does how does that work when I'm a customer of AWS? What does that look mm-hmm. like for me to say I want to audit their security? Yeah, so that's that's a that's a request. So I'm, depending upon your your um, your level of service, you have you have an opportunity to say, Hey, AWS. Hey, Azure. Um, I would like to see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And typically, it's going to be a formalized request. And they say, This is what we are doing. Mm-hmm. They show you what they're doing. And they can literally show you what they're doing and how they are securing your data. And that is that is just your request and your due diligence to, mm-hmm. and to give you that ability to sleep at night that yeah. your data is secure. And how often should how often do you recommend a, a client ask AWS or Azure or Google uh, for that kind of due diligence on auditing uh, what they're doing from security? Yearly. I, I would do yearly, absolutely. Okay. okay, so it just it should be part of my annual health checkup. On my, I, yeah, I know yeah. you uh, you're checking on things more often than annually. I'm not saying you should do that only once a year, but once a year you should do that, like some of your other compliance frameworks, right? Absolutely, yeah, and that's and that's fine. And the and the reason it's once a year and not and not any, how can I put it? Let me make sure I say this the right way. I guess that probably. Uh, not any less frequent than a year. Yeah. This is a fast moving target. Yeah. Right. The the target of security moves fast. Yeah. So definitely don't do it any less than a year. But you, yeah. your year is, is truly a minimum. Um, you pay attention, watch the changes, stay up to date, and then make sure your provider stays up to date also. Because you, yeah, yeah. in the chairman's security model, you may have some requirements that you aren't aware of that your your your, your provider is. Yeah, so yeah. you may want to keep that keep that going. Yeah, actually, so about a year is good. Um, more if you'd like. If you have more strict requirements, or you have, um, I would say the the probably the best term is if you are if you fall under regulatory compliance that can result in monetary fines yeah you probably want to do that 
more more often. Um, HIPAA, some of the some of the fines that can come from PCI DSS, those are I would check that more than once. Those can, those can be significant depending exactly. on your on your volume for sure. Yeah. Well, Stan, we're going to pause right there for a word from Intervision. Uh, Intervision, as our listeners know, is the publisher of the Status Go podcast. Unlock the power of more with Intervision Systems. We provide the cutting-edge technology and expert guidance you need to take your business to the next level. Don't settle for less. Choose Intervision Systems and discover what's possible. Contact us now to learn more. All right, and if you do want to contact Intervision, go to intervision.com slash myths. You can find additional information about this myth that we are busting this month. You can also look at some of the myths that we have busted in past months. Uh, It's a great resource for you as you're contemplating your cloud journey, no matter where you are in that cloud journey. Today, we're talking with Stan Smith. Stan is a vCISO here at InterVision. And we've been talking about the, the shared security model and Now, Stan, I'd like to pivot and I'd like to talk a little bit about what are some of the common issues that you see uh, with the implementation of this shared responsibility model? When you go into a customer site, what are some things that you see that are most common? Um, Without a doubt, the biggest one and the most glaring one is um, identity access management misconfiguration. Okay. Um, There is a, there can be a disconnect um, between the um, the SaaS service itself and the the people who are you know purchasing that service, typically what happens is, as can happen in any, so you can do this on premise, you can do this in the cloud. It doesn't matter. You see a proliferation of privilege that people do not need to have. You see people attempting to not use multi-factor authentication. And we know in this day and age, you should be using multi-factor authentication at this point. Um, so those those are the things, right? It's the, it's the same stuff that cause the most concerns on premise. It's the same thing that you see in the cloud, to be honest, right? Um, I guess behind that one, I would say, um, because there is a bit of a, a problem with, and it's, it's not the cloud, right? It's just, once again, another mis, mis, misconfiguration is you have a tendency to see um, insecure access to, once again, it's kind of identity access management to, to, to VMs, right? Uh, not, not securing access to your virtual machines. That's, a, that's another really tough one that we see happening. And I would say lastly, the thing that we see is um, deals with backups. Um, People aren't doing the greatest work um, in securing their backups as they push them or pull them Mm -hmm. from the cloud as far as how it is being secured in transit. They they have have a tendency to do that um, incorrectly. So that's, that's the things that we're really that I notice right off the bat most of the time. Yeah. Well, and I know uh, in talking with Adam Scamahorn from InterVision, Adam is the product manager for uh, disaster recovery and backups. 
that's a huge part of cybersecurity that sometimes gets overlooked, right? You want to make sure that you've got an immutable copy of your backup that can't be changed so that uh, you protect your data. When you walk into a, a client, say it's the first time and, and uh, yeah, you've been engaged, where do you start? What, what's that process look like? If you, so if you want to know the total and complete truth, yeah. start, with, start with a conversation. Okay. And so a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, when you think about cybersecurity and you go in and you want to see how everybody's doing and you want to immediately hop on a machine and check out servers and what's going on and all. No, no, I, I, I sit down and we have a conversation because one of the things you can do with a, a conversation focused on security and, mm-hmm. and the business itself and what they do is you can ascertain culture quickly. doesn't take long. Uh. We will, we will know, I will say, I will say I, I'll know if an organization has a focus on security. I will yeah. know if an organization is taking it seriously, right? Yeah. Um, and from there, I'm able to ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, how do, you, how do you guys do security training? Do you train your security personnel in addition to something like phishing training, right? Because your, yeah. your security analysts He's got to do his fishing training, but you should also give him something else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you ask those type of questions. You ask, and then once you get a lay of the land, and culture-wise, it has a tendency to let you know where you need to go from there, right? Yeah. You know where to point. Because once you have a lot of the ideas and you get, and I'll tell you, anybody who's going to go assess anything, you need two things immediately. You need an infrastructure diagram and a data flow diagram, right? You're going to start there. And then you hopefully know. they have those. And hopefully they have those because that's yeah. another another indication, right? If you don't have those, I guarantee you don't have a change management program. Yeah. You know, I guarantee you, you may not even have an incident response program. But ultimately, when we're talking about like disaster recovery being part of a, a cybersecurity, right? That's that's where ultimately it typically ends up, right? I say, hey, can I? Can you share your business continuity plan? Can you share your risk assessment? Can I see your incident response plan? Right, those things. When you go through those, and if they are clearly thought out, make sense, and line up with the people, technology, and processes that that organization has in place you know that is an organization that cares yeah, um, yeah. or has the funds to do it, right? Because there's a right. balance. You know, they have to take a balance between the, the funds they're able to do and the things they're able to purchase versus what they would like to do. Um, but anywhere in there, then you can, uh, that's where I pivot from. I pivot right. from those conversations, those particular documents, and then I know where to go to dig deeper to really get a good idea of the gaps and how we're going to fill them. I love that. You start with a conversation to uh, find out uh, where they are, right? Because we want to meet them where they are. So without sharing any names, Dan, uh, any company names, what's kind of the nightmare scenario that you walked into uh, in your career? What, what were some of the things that were going on or not going on, as the case may be? Uh, I, w- I would say my whew, nightmare scenario. I will say the worst. Yeah, no names. Definitely no names. <laughs> no names. Um, was an organization who had to be compliant with 
PCI DSS. Mm-hmm. Um, of all of the requirements in PCI DSS is a very prescriptive framework. It yes, is yes. unrelenting. It tells you exactly what you should do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I would have to say that they were probably in accordance with and following the rules in maybe one place. Oh, wow. Right? It, was, it was bad. It was, it was yeah. very, very bad. Um, what, what had occurred was they decided to go the opposite direction of what a lot of people do. A lot of people have, you know, car data environments and they get it all built up and it's firewall the right way. It's, it's scoped out right. It's good. And then eventually they say, we're going to give this all to a third party. And then all of the point of sale machines show up and the software shows up and they say, get these servers out of here. We're going to let this big organization do it for us. Yeah. They went the other way. So they had point of sale stuff, some software had third parties, and then they decided to build their own. Um, they perceived that there would be some savings if they dropped the third party provider and tried to build it on their own. Um, that was not, not the case. Yeah. Um, yeah. They believed they had gotten a, um, a quick assessment to say how they were doing person went in and say, oh, you guys are great. And then the QSA came in and yeah, you know, they weren't so great. It <laughs> weren't so great. It was pretty, pretty bad. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that why they called you in. So I, I get called in not, not because I'm a QSA. I am no QSA. Right, right, right. right. I, am, well, I mean, after that. Yeah. I get, I get called in to assist with the help. Can someone yeah, please yeah. start guiding us? Like, you know, the QSA is going to tell you where you went wrong, right? They're going to show you where you went wrong. But as far as implementing and understanding, those those aren't the same thing, right? Yeah, you, yeah. And you have to understand the implement. And the unfortunate part was they they didn't understand. They didn't know. Yeah, they didn't know what yeah. they were supposed to do. And they thought they had got an honest assessment from someone and they hadn't. Um, so we began to, you know, parse through the data, parse mm-hmm. through the requirements, making certain that, and then telling them, hey, you're, this is what you're going to have to do. This is, you must have this. Yeah. You must, right? And long story short, they went back to the third party provider uh-huh. and game was over. So yeah. that yeah. Those, those servers were gone. No, none of that. They just stopped and they just started using the third party provider. And I can't blame them. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because, yeah, it's a, it's a mountain to climb. It, it is. And again, it, it points to the value uh, of having a lot of your your applications and a lot of your data in the cloud because some of that uh, onerous uh, compliance framework uh, gets shifted uh, to the to the cloud provider. Mm-hmm. Now, Stan, when we, you and I talked a, a couple of weeks ago, you, you blew my mind with something that, that you told me about. The, the fact that the Office for Civil Rights mm-hmm. gets involved in cyber breaches. First and, of all, why? And how did you come <laughs> to learn about this? Um, so um, the, the why is, is really not all that complicated, right? The why is because it is your right to have access to your, your medical information and your medical data. If someone refuses to give that to you, mm-hmm. That's a breach of your civil rights. So um, the 
Yeah, the, the, the Health and Human Services Office of Civil Rights will absolutely um, come knocking on your door when you have something like a breach um, mm-hmm. and you're required to be compliant with HIPAA, especially if um, there's electronic um, private health information involved yeah. um, because you have lost personal health records, right? And they will come and they will make certain that you have done what you said you were going to do through um, several steps but you, you get opportunities to get it right. Um, if you don't get it right or you clearly show no due diligence, then they turn to their, their bigger brother, the Department <laughs> of Justice. And the Department of Justice can absolutely, and that's where the, the you know, the, the heavy fines, the, yeah, yeah. all the other stuff comes from. So, and nobody wants that, right? And yeah. how did I come to learn that? Uh-huh walked the the first time um walked into a um an environment where i was um just i was a consultant and they had had a breach um i did my best to do all the research i could into hipaa because i hadn't had a lot of uh knowledge on it right but you know and in the cybersecurity world the best thing you can do is read learn constantly so um they, they had had a breach. Um, and as I am sitting, not leading the, not leading the charge, but, you know, off of the main table as everybody discussing what needs to happen. Uh-huh. Um, look who calls into the, at the time, I think it was like a Cisco telepresence. Uh-huh. It was the office of civil rights. <laughs> and I was take, I was shocked. I, yeah. I didn't know that it had gotten to that level. So I dug, dug deeper um, and realize, wow, this is real, right? So yeah, now, yeah. you know, I have a, a pretty deep understanding of HIPAA security rule, HIPAA privacy rule, right? Um, and I, I do my best to help those organizations where those those things have happened to them. Yeah. But more importantly, I like preventive, right? Yeah. So when you go into an organization and they are bound by those, those that regulatory yeah. requirement, there are some key things I go after immediately, right? Mm-hmm. And that's and that's that's the key, right? It's all about the prevention of, and in a lot of cases, for when you have to deal with the OCR, it's really about did you put forth the effort? Yeah, yeah. Because they understand breaches occur. They they are that organization does not appear to go after anyone just because you were breached. Right. Right. They they want to make sure that you you make yourself whole and you've done what's necessary, but. If you have really put forth a true best effort into securing your systems and you were still breached, mm-hmm. right? I don't believe that it's in there, in there, in there. I can't, I can't say, I, I'm not certain about the term. I do not believe it is, it is in their charter to, yeah, to, to. Uh, to go after that, right? Because yeah. breaches occur all yeah. the time. Right. And until we overall um, decide that, you know, we follow certain standards and we we are able there and we get our cybersecurity workforce to a level where everybody has someone or at least most everybody has someone and the knowledge is proliferated enough. um, This is it's going to continue. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and and even for our listeners who are not in uh, traditional healthcare uh, uh, industry, they may have 
personal health information in their HRIS system or mm-hmm. in, in one of their in their email system for Pete's sake. Right. Uh, so uh, it is something that you have to pay attention to. Uh, and uh, we will put a link to uh, the Office of Civil Rights to that page that talks about the, the cybersecurity breaches. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. We are here to bust the myth that the cloud is not secure. So Stan, you're talking with an IT leader mm-hmm. and he or she tells you, ah, I'm not putting anything in the cloud. It's not secure. How do you respond to that? I respond to them by saying the cloud is secure as long as you fulfill your responsibility in the shared responsibility model of cloud security. And it's more secure than on-premise. Yeah. Because, let's call it what it is, those providers, especially the big boys, they watch it constantly. They have experts watching it constantly. They are updating more quickly than you possibly could imagine. And the investments they've put into security are probably more than you can do at your level with on-premise things. They are ready to secure your data, but you need to be ready to do your part. Yeah. I, I, I love that. That's a, that's a perfect response. Now, for our listeners out there that are thinking, man, I really need to do something. What's one or two things that they should go do tomorrow because they listen to our conversation about cloud security today? I would say immediately look at your own organization's level of access by role. That's what I would do. Make certain that everybody in your organization has least privileged access for what they do, right? Yep. That's the first thing. And make certain that people who've changed roles do not have several different levels of access because they've been in several different roles, right? Yeah. Um, that's a, it's a typical audit thing, but that's something they can do on their own. So that's, that's number one. And honestly, number two, because the true soft, gooey, vulnerable center of any good security practice is people Mm -hmm. make certain your people are trained, right? And that's in two ways. One, train your overall organization to the number one vector of attack phishing, do it often and do it well. And then the other part of the training, um, your cyber professionals, give them some training. Do not force them to go to YouTube to learn a thing. Bring in some, bring in some professionals, pay, pay for, uh, some of the training that they require to make your organization more secure. That those are the two things I would tell people to do immediately. I, I love that. It reminds me of a, an episode that we had a couple of months ago with uh, author George Finney. Uh, he wrote uh, The Zero Trust Project, and he, he talks about uh, the, the saying of people are the weakest link. And he says, no, 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 no. People are the only link. Uh, they're the ones that you have to focus on. So, Stan, thank you so much for carving out time from of your day to talk with us today. Really appreciate it, man. Hey, any, anytime, anytime, Jeff. This was great. This was, this was very interesting to me.
I get to talk. It's nice. <laughs> well, there you have it. Myth busted. Uh, the cloud is secure if you understand the shared responsibility model. If you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com slash myths. As I mentioned earlier, you can see some of the myths that we are busting uh, and maybe a preview of some of the myths that are still upcoming. To see the show notes for this episode, visit intervision.com slash status dash go. Those show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Stan Smith. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.